everybody, and welcome to the Shenanacast. Uh, I am one of your hosts. I am Sinstaku, also known as John. And with me is... Hello, I'm Shadow Chorus. Also known as... William. And... Hi, I'm Eunice, also known as Tall and Gangly. Also known as Austin. Are we going to do this joke every time? Maybe. Yes. Who knows? Uh, we'll go figure out when it gets old. Eventually one of them will, will say it correctly. Anyways, thank hello everybody. Welcome to uh, episode two of the Shenanigans, um, which has been doing ridiculously well. Uh, on, at least by computer statistics. At, at least by numbers. At least by numbers that I can recognize. Uh, we've got a hundred and as of as of recording, we've got hundred and seventy two plays on the Podbean website, and nine hundred and seventy five uh, accesses from uh, RSS feeds. So thank you all very much for listening to us. So everyone that listened to the previous one, thank you very much and listen to more and stuff. And if there's and if there are those of you that are are listening to the the podcast and are interested in finding out. Um, finding us in other places and, and, and watching us do more stuff, watching us have similar conversations, please feel free to come join us at twitch.tv slash Uh I stream five times a week. These two join me regularly for that. Uh, yeah, so come have a good time with us and, and, and those of us in chat. I stream once a week and Sinstaku regularly <laughs> rolls over my time slot. Yeah, it's true. I do. <laughs> Cry some more. Anyway. I used to stream regularly, but life... Life's a thing. You used to stream irregularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I never streamed regularly. That, 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 that is true. All right. So today we're talking about uh, uh, video games, and specifically we're going to be talking about point-and-click adventure games and parser adventure games and adventure games of all kinds. Because uh, f- units, that's that, that's that's units jam. Oh, yeah. First ever, first ever video game was Hero's Quest, and then I played the Space Quest, the King's Quest, and the monotonous police regulation. I mean... Police Quest, <laughs> and you were and you were actually that's actually what you were streaming on before you had yes I was stream, I was streaming space, space Quest uh, before I before I didn't. Would you play a remake of Space Quest? I'm very curious to see what they would do with the remake of Space Quest. Um, if they remade Space Quest like they remade King's Quest, the the only problem with Space Quest is the two guys from Andromeda did not leave Sierra on good <coughs> terms at all. So I'm curious. Who owns the rights? Well, I mean, Sierra owns the rights, and Sierra is now owned by Activision, so Activision owns the rights. Yet, King's Quest was not... Act- they, they, the original developers were not involved, which, again, concerns me. If they couldn't get the original developers for King's Quest to be involved, um, then for Space Quest, the two guys from Andromeda, I don't think they'd be able to get them back. Well, I mean, it didn't suffer uh, from, 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 from missing... What were their names? Do you know? Uh, I know Ken was the lead. Ken Levine? Um, was it Ken Levine? Anyways, regardless, um, going back to the whole thing, we just finished. We just finished uh, playing through King's Quest, and uh, we wanted to talk about point and click adventure games. So my earliest, my the point and click adventure games that I grew up on was uh, the LucasArts, LucasArts series of point and click adventure games. Although I did play King's Quest, I did play uh, Heroes Quest, um, which was Quest for Glory. Yes, um, there was a copyright issue back in 1989 because around the same time a board game called Heroes Quest was released and the board game slightly predated the computer game causing the computer game to be renamed Quest for Glory. Yeah. Um, I will refer to it as Heroes Quest because the floppy disk... Said Heroes Quest. Said Heroes Quest. So I grew up on uh, on Monkey Island, uh, Maniac Mansion... Uh, uh, 
uh, Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. Uh, uh, all these and the Indiana Jones uh, point click adventure games, which, which were which were fantastic. All these, was, all these games were fantastic. I was young enough that I also got the Pajama Sam point and click adventures. Pajama Sam, that's there on Steam actually. Yeah. Oh yeah, we also played the Pajama Sam. We also played the Pajama Sam uh, point and click adventure games, um, and so the, the 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 that was kind of our my, at least my one of my first loves. Of, of gaming was were these point and click adventure games, and I've actually just recently replayed the Secret of Monkey Island on stream. It's very short. Um, it, it's really funny going back and replaying some of these adventure games, and just how quickly you can blast through them when you know what you're doing. Yeah, when you know what you're doing. It it's also amazing how hard they would have been without knowing anything. Like I'm I'm sitting here thinking as I was going through. Uh, the puzzles for for Secret of Monkey Island. I was like, how did I ever figure this out as a kid? I have no idea. Replaying Space Quest, which Space Quest is notorious for having several very obtuse puzzles. Um, But replaying through Space Quest, there were several points where I'm so glad that I've beaten this game before because... I would never know what to do otherwise. um, You know, oh, I'm being attacked by an android. I need to take the banana and shove it up her jetpack. It's not what it looked like, by the way. When I was watching the stream, it did not look like it was shoving it in her jetpack. Anyway, um, or in, in one in Space Quest Two, there's a point where you take out a guard by using the athletic supporter the jock strap that you'd gotten in the second screen of the game that you can never go back to after you leave that screen as a sling to use a rock on the guard. And if you didn't get the jock strap, you just lose. At that point, yeah. Yes. Uh, th- that puzzle has an alternative workaround, um, but if you don't get the Rubik's Cube that's on the same screen, then yeah, you lose. Yeah, either the Jockstrap or the Rubik's Cube, and if you don't take either of them, you just lose. Yep. <laughs> There's an alternate solution if you miss the Jockstrap, but you had to not miss the, cube- the Rubik's yeah. Cube on the same screen. And it, what it came down to, I remember when I did the replays of Space Quest, and Space Quest specifically, I didn't have a, this much of a problem with King's Quest, and not at all with, with Hero's Quest, was if you get to a point and you just stonewall, you save your game, you restart from the beginning. Yeah. You just walk through. And it, it's not as bad as it sounds because the games are so short and because you know all the answers to the puzzles, you can whiz through the entire game in half an hour if you know all the puzzles. Yeah. Uh, one game that was like that was Loom for the Loom. Oh, on Loom. the LucasArts side of it. Loom was very obtuse and had a complicated mechanic to boot. Hey, it was. Ask me about Loom. <laughs> ask ask you about Loom? <laughs> no. Do you, do you want me to... Is no. that a legitimate? Is it? Is it you no, I, I, was, I was quoting the Monkey Island guy who was wearing the Loom badge. Yeah, yeah. Ask me about Loom. Um, so Loom, for those of you that don't know, is one of the early LucasArts games uh, that I really, I really enjoyed it. I'm really sad they never got to make the sequel. Uh, it was planned as I believe it was planned as a, as as two games, two or three games, um, and it never got the funding. It was never popular enough to make the to make the money to warrant that sequel. But it's a story about uh, it's it's a world where all the crafts that you can think of have a guild assigned to it, and those guilds do their thing basically with magic. Um, glass blowers have a guild, blacksmiths have a guild, uh, weavers have a guild. Um, we, the weavers guild is not what you think it is at all. Nope. Uh, so and, and they all use they all use uh, various forms of magic and magic in this world revolves around sound, musical notes specifically, um, and weavers are 
kind of the most, at the same time, they're kind of the most powerful, but the least respected, respected guild. Because weavers deal with weaving, obviously. But they don't just deal with like cloth and fabric. They deal with all aspects of weaving. Which AKA includes... the threads of fate. The threads of fate and the threads of reality. Um, they, they, basically, the way it works is each guild not only deals with what you would expect them to deal with, they also deal with all aspects of that. The blacksmiths don't just build weapons. They build, they, their, their, their home is a volcano that is shaped like a forge. We make mountains. They make, they make, they, they make anything. And they make it out of steel, and they make it strong and durable and, and lasting. And, and the shepherds don't just care for sheep, they can care for people, they can heal. Yeah, the shepherds are healers and caretakers and providers. The glass blowers are, they, they, not only do they make, uh, they make glass, they make lenses, they can also scry and see things at a distance and, and tell the future. Um, and so it's a, basically they, they've taken... All these little bitty aspects, expanded them out, added magic, and made this world surrounding it. Um, so you you go, you go through Loom, and um, you 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 find at the you, end you 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 kill a lot of people, and then you unkill them, and then you unkill them, and then you unmake the world because you are the Weaver of Fate, and then you remake the world, and then in, you, a, in, in in your image, this, yeah, then you you un. You kill people, revive them, unmake the world, then remake the world, and it sets up for a sequel. And I was really hoping, uh, I was really hoping that the sequel. I, would be I able feel to like one end. of the biggest failings of Loom, though, was the it was too short, and there wasn't enough interaction with other people. I feel like it just kind of zipped to the end. Yeah, it was very, it was I, very it, it A B C D E F G. It was not explorative. It was a very linear. You can't leave the area you're in to go to other areas. Linear even by point-and-click adventure standards, because a lot of point-and-click adventures well, aren't linear. Well, that's what I like about the Sierra point-and-click adventures. The Sierra point-and-click adventures, the old ones, and the Parser adventure games, were very non-linear. They were very, here's a map, yes. Now, the, the downside, of course, to the non-linearity was you ran into the, the classic Sierra problem of, I run into a puzzle and I don't know why I can't solve it, I must not, supposed, I must not be supposed to be here yet, but they let you go there. Yeah. Um, which... And you can get kind of unfocused, and it becomes a little bit harder to determine what I'm supposed to do with all these items that I'm picking up. But at the same time, I like it because it lets you explore, it lets you interact with things. As you, it, it feels more real. Yeah. Um, and it, I feel like a lot of modern adventure games, the modern iterations, are very gimme. Very, this puzzle's so easy. This puzzle's very apparent because it's in order. So, uh... You want to add anything about Pajama Sam? <laughs> no, I, I barely remember Pajama Sam. <laughs> um, but moving um, the, forward, moving forward to modern renditions. So what modern games have done, a modern modern point and click adventure games that, that I actually really enjoy compared to the older well, ones. Well, they've, they've lost the point and click. They're not. Well, no, they're still they're still point and click. Uh, they're, just because we have access to a controller now doesn't mean they're not point and click. Yeah, they're also uh, they're still point and click, and they're still. Um, this whole point because it's just that now that they have action elements thrown in, they yeah. quick time events and stuff. Well, but what there they... were lots of quick time events in the old ones too. They just don't suck anymore. Oh, I remember the ultimate point and click adventure game that never forgave you for anything, Dragon Slayer. 
Dragon's Lair wasn't a point and click adventure game. It was a quick time event. It the game. A, it was. It was a, the original. The it was the inspiration for all of David Cage's games. <laughs> it was the inspiration for for. I mean, it was it, for its time. It was very impressive. It was very graphically pleasing. I mean, it was also you could play it on a DVD controller. Yeah, I mean, you played with a TV controller, like click, click, click. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, that is more of an interactive novel, interactive story, than a because you are. Did Did you experience the emotions? That you the go down predetermined paths. Well, it, they are the paths are predetermined, but there is a little bit of choice in them because you there you do get like various options that you can go down. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple I, of different paths. Yeah, yeah. I'm saying, but at the, at the end of the day, it's basically a choose your own adventure movie. Yeah, yeah. And most paths lead to either instant death or instant gratification. Yeah. So, modern games they've done uh, uh, is that they've they've taken that sort of. I am carrying a house full of item inventory items idea that all the old school point click adventure games had. And this house of inventory items have one and only one solution. And they've condensed it. They've taken... So now, instead of having 15 items that only solve one puzzle, I've got five items that each solve two or three puzzles. Um, especially the Telltale games, like the Walking Dead games, mm-hmm. um, Use gun on zombie is a very common puzzle, but so is use axe on use axe on zombie, use axe on door, use axe on lock, use axe on chain, use axe on wood to gather firewood. Yeah. You know, so um, use axe on leg in bear trap uh, for the famous uh, uh, first episode, uh, first or second episode uh, where you had to cut a kid's leg off, um, cut a grown actually grown man's leg off, um, and. So you, you've got a, a, a far more limited inventory than you would in an old Loom or in... Uh, loom, you didn't even have... Yeah, you didn't have... No, you didn't have an inventory. No, you didn't have an inventory. Loom, you inventory with your songs. Your songs. Uh, but you like, could have in, in Indiana Jones or in... Uh, or in or any Monkey of the Island or any of the Quest games, yeah. Um, and so there's a lot more room to maneuver. Like, the same, the same puzzle might have three items that solve it. That said... You brought up an interesting point. The Indiana Jones games, where do we place them? Because they are kind of like an adventure game, but they're definitely not point and click. No, they're point and click. You, no. point, and you, you point the cursor, you click, and he moves. Um, point and click. The the Infernal Machine was not point and click. The Infernal Machine was not a point and click adventure game. No. It was definitely the, a puzzle adventure game, the, however. The, point, the Infernal Machine was a uh, third-person shooter adventure game. Yeah, third person adventure game. It was third person I'm talking about I'm talking about life. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Indiana Jones and um, what was yeah. the other one? Point and click is used a lot, but like when I think of adventure games, I think of parser games. I don't think of point and click. And for those of you who don't know, a parser game is a game in which you input keyboard commands and you write commands. Yeah, you uh, you do hit enter, type out a thing, um, which were interesting because press button. Old parser games didn't pause the screen while you typed. And there were puzzles that you had to solve very quickly, or you died. And so you had to type fast. The, the point-and-click adventure games didn't pause it either, and that was even harder because you didn't just enter type, type, type. That determines your that's determined by the speed of your ability to type. Whereas the point-and-click adventure solutions was determined by the speed at which you could go use item, and how quickly the game reacted to you doing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I mean that, that's yeah, that's a which bit was of a... sometimes click, click. Click, 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 dead. Like, it, 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 the game wouldn't react or would miss the first or second click. Yeah. And the chain, you'd have to do it over again. 
Uh, whereas with Parsec, it was inter... Well, adventure games expected you to die a lot. They did. Which was nice. And that's the other thing. Like, point and click is one, one variety. Parser is another <clears> variety. There's also quite a few three-dimensional uh, three adventure games that came around well, the, around the time of three dimensions. And, and there's a lot of adventure <laughs> games that incorporate other elements. Uh, one of the first was Hero's Quest, which was an adventure-slash-RPG because there, it was an adventure game. It was a parser-based until it became point-and-click uh, in... Hero Quest 3. Like, the but, adventure game that everyone knows off the top of their head, Legend of Zelda, Ocarina of Time, was most definitely an adventure game, but it also had a lot of RPG elements. Yeah, but we're, we're, we're talking specific, games. We're, we're talking, but it, but it was not an adventure game. It was an RPG with adventure game elements. I wouldn't say that as it, much. It was, because it had it, puzzle solving, but it wasn't... It, the puzzles were the key focus of Legend of Zelda. Though. Well, that was like, hang on. So here, here, now we get to the question of what is an adventure game? Yeah. And I feel like adventure is uh, simply uh, anything where you are going on a quest. You have one overarching quest that you intend to, that you intend to complete from start to finish of the game. And in that sense, yes, Legend of Zelda is an adventure game. It's not a point-and-click adventure game. It's an action-adventure game, mm -hmm. which is where we get... So yeah. the, that's where the the uh, the the Infernal Machine. Yeah, the Infernal Machine, Machine is, 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 Zelda. is a yeah. action adventure. It, not it's a point funny point. that we use the word adventure because it's it's come to mean what what the term has evolved to mean is a game that has puzzle elements, puzzle solving elements. Yeah. Um, and it's really hard to find pure adventure games nowadays. Well, specifically, it's a game that has puzzle solving elements and some semblance of an adventure story, because they're also puzzle there, games there like Tetris. Straight, yeah, there games, there yeah. are straight puzzle games. Yeah. Yes, um, and 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 the first adventure games, of course, were some of the first games because it was just text based. You read, you you advance, um, and then they had ASCII puzzle games. Yeah, um, and then, then, we, then we had Alcalabeth. <laughs> but getting 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 back to you know sort of the modern uh, the modern iterations of of point and click adventure games in specific, I don't think there are very many modern parser games. I don't I can't think of anything else off my head. Most modern parser games are like indie flash games, yeah. like stuff you would stuff you would find on Newgrounds or on really really small scale indie games. Yeah, there's a couple that are you know, Titan you, of the you, Dead. You have to buy and stuff, but most of them are very small scale. the the the, the biggest problem that that parser had was sort of the the notoriety of how specific do you want my commands? Yeah. Um. There, there was one. It was a really bad parser game called Hugo's House of Horrors. And th there came a point where you have to remove the bolt from a trap door. And you have to phrase it very specifically. Remove bolt from trap door. No. You have to use the word unbolt. Unbolt trap door. You have to say, no, unbolt latch on <laughs> trap door. If you do not use that exact phrase, it will not let you do it. Um, Could you type kill self in response? You could, and you die and lose the game. Yay! Um, I, I do like the... Suicide! It's the answer. But on the flip side, we've... Syntax is something that we've developed now. It's not a... A to A, B to B. You know, we can be like, okay, well, modern syntax may be able to recognize multiple different types of commands. Yeah. And I, I also I also like... So in something that, modern, that the modern indie parser games have figured out <coughs> is sometimes... If you're if the, if things are really quick in sequence, instead of having you type out all of those things in sequence, they have hypertext, 
where you can click the decision they want you to make instead of typing it out, or you can just type it out depending on which one is faster or, or more reasonable m- at the time. Most most parser games nowadays, ever since um, late '80s, have had if you hit the space bar and type in a command, it pauses the game. Yeah, it's also really useful. Which is one of the greatest innovations in adventure gaming ever. Pause. 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 The pause button. Dark Souls didn't have that. No, it didn't. But it's also it's also a Dark Souls game. It's also Dark Souls. Soul, Souls games have their own Talk, field. Talking about games that expect you to die a lot. Like Soul, um, Souls games are a new emerging genre yeah. that are their own yeah. field. So, again, trying to reel it back to modern day point like adventure games. Um, there's a, a lot of a lot of a lot of money is being made. A lot of games are being made uh, in uh, popular tie-ins that are being made as adventure games as opposed to or point-and-click adventure games as opposed to action games first-person shooter games uh stuff like that and there's even becoming tie-ins to other games now so there's game of thrones tie-in from the game of thrones show and books to now it's a point-and-click adventure game there's the walking dead comics books now it's an adventure game there's uh back to the future was made as a as a point-and-click adventure game um Way back, Star Trek was Star made Trek. Into- Star Trek was made into a lot of different kinds of adventure games. Yeah, um, some of them. Well, my favorite one. They were almost this- always. They were almost always. Uh, um, what's it? Uh, live, live, live action. Um, oh, the, the what's the phrase? What's the, the phrase? The the, uh, the the video like the 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 video playing games. I'm forgetting the name of it. There's there's actually a term for the games that play you a, a pre-recorded video, yeah, and yeah. then give you your decisions. And I can't um, think of what it is, but there was that style of game, almost universally that style of game. Um, but there there were several of those. But now there's getting to be uh, like Tales from the Borderlands is a recently and very popular apparently uh, point-and-click adventure game. We had Telltale Telltale games made. Uh, Telltale games being the the new giant, uh, the new LucasArts, the new Sierra uh, of adventure games now um and that is just taking a story that exists in the borderland universe and turning it into an adventure um and then they're also doing now they're doing they're taking games that don't have a story and creating a story with minecraft story mode is a a telltale adventure games point like adventure uh where they're taking they're, what they're what they're doing is they're 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 now adding new uh, elements to adventure games in the form of crafting. Uh, as they're, from what I've read, is they're they're actually adding Minecraft style crafting elements to the Minecraft point click adventure game. So, moving even further away from their roots of that that original Loom Secret uh, Secret of Monkey Island um, quests quest game insert quest here insert quest here. And and going to where we've got few inventory we got few inventory items, and now we're adding other gameplay modes to it. Yeah. What do you think about that? And is there anything in like again looking back any of that of that remake territory now that Sierra FMV games, FMV games. Thank you. Full motion video. Um, now that Sierra's back in the game, is there anything like you could see being added to Space Quest if it was remade? Um, like adding a, a, a you know an FTL style uh, uh, traveling uh, you know combat system. Oh, ship FTL! System. FTL mixed with Space Quest. Come on. Um, I the the biggest thing that I would like them to bring back is 
the open worldness because one of the things that you did in Space Quest, at least a lot of the games, it wasn't all of them, um, was you could travel between planets. Um, and so you may have to get a solution from, you may have to get an item on one planet to use as a solution on another planet. There was, um, there's, um, so, there's something that I always wanted to, and, sorry, go continue. I was going to say that the, the King's Quest game had a much more open world than a lot of the modern, um, adventure games have, have that I've experienced. And even a lot of the LucasArts ones where it was very, you walk around, you find things, you go out to this place to get an item for this. You go to another place. It's it's not as linear. Because mm-hmm. um, I, I feel like the the linearity is what ruined adventure games for me, and I feel like bringing back non-linear gameplay is a big thing. So there was um, there's something that I've always wanted to see added, even to modern uh, games, because recently they've started getting really big on the moral choice system in adventure games and point yes. adventure games. <clears throat> Uh, the only issue is, the only moral choices ever seem to be aggressive, peaceful, funny. Like, those, those seem to be the, the, the big three. Yeah, well, in, your, your moral choices are very rarely actually evil. Your moral, your moral choice is... Like, it, it's aggressive, witty, peaceful. Yeah. Like, like the King's Quest game summed it up. You have the, you have the aggressive route, the witty route, and the friendly, the friendly route. route. Yeah. Yeah. The, the thing that I've always wanted to see is the, the straight man's route that is never in any adventure game. The one that questions why am I being sent on this ridiculous fetch quest? Why can't I just go through the door? Well, and, and I think that's, in, in, in the new King's Quest game, that was the... That, that was the aggressive. That was the aggressive. And if, you, if you've ever played Hero's Quest, um, Hero's Quest was one of the first because there were three classes in Hero's Quest. The fighter, the wizard, and the, the fighter, the magic user, and the thief. And the beauty of it was, the solution wasn't linked to your class, the solution was linked to whatever stats you have. So if you were a fighter and you got magic, you could do the wizard solutions. If you were a wizard and you had a high strength, you could do the fighter solutions. But the fighter solutions were the very much, there's a door in my way. What's my strength score? Maxed out, break door, and you would break through a door. There's a cliff. How many hit points do I have? 200, jump. <laughs> and you could literally, if you, if, you, if you focused on the RPG element, if you... Um, <clears throat> grinded to max out your physical stats, you could brute force your way through the puzzles. Like, there was there was a question that... Like, there was a moment that, that John brought up, specifically, in, like, in The Wolf Among Us. Near the end, you're sitting in a room with everyone who has been causing you problems, and the only thing stopping you is that Bloody Mary might come through at any moment. Why is there not an option to kill everyone before Bloody Mary gets here? Break the mirror. Break the mirror. Kill everyone. Like there, there was a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of weird um, there's a lot of weird contrivances for the sake of for for the sake of adventure game story. And actually, Wolf, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. Wolf Among Us is, is one of the really good ones, where you, other people's actions don't seem to matter in an adventure game. It's only only your actions that matter. Like there's an instance where uh, you Tweedledee has been shooting you in the yeah, face Tweedledee, with a shotgun. Tweedledee has been shooting you in the face with a shotgun. But if you kill him, you're the bad guy. Yeah. And there's never an option to say like, and people start accusing you of that. Like, what's going to stop him? Because you play, you in in the Wolf Among Us to, to clarify, you play Big B Wolf, the big bad wolf, who is the sheriff of this this town that all these fables live in. 
and specifically in New York. Um, and there's never an option when people start going, oh, who's he going to eat next? Who's he going to attack next? Whose arm is he going to rip off next? There's never an option to go, he was shooting at me. He was shooting me in the face with a shotgun. It was clearly self-defense. There was never and, that option. And that's what I mean by the straight man's route. The one who questions these contrivances for the sake of adventure game story. The one who says, mm-hmm. he was attacking me. I was within my rights the, to kill him. The, the, the I am the sheriff, and you are breaking the law in my face the, with a shotgun. The biggest problem with this, and it's I know it's it's the lame excuse, but it's, it's for the sake of gameplay. Um, there, there's a point at which, it, and I don't say it's not a bad thing. I feel like the story should give you a better reason than you're the bad guy. Yeah. But what it comes down to is, oh, well, I auto solved all my problems and ended the game three hours early because I took the obvious solution. And I feel like it's, it's bad story development to have that there. At which point you then have to come up with a reason. Like there are, there the reason that Bigby doesn't just kill everybody is because there's a gun with a, there's a gun with a silver bullet in it, right there. Yeah, that's that's that is a reason. That it is a very simple. You've already established it. That is a good reason for him not to just go ape shit and kill everybody in the room. And yet, funny enough, when action does go down, that silver bullet gun doesn't do shit to it him. Yeah, because he well no, because he grabs it out of the way. <laughs> He's ping bye. Yeah, he he knocks the gun out of his hand. Yeah, um, but. It's as it's as simple as as coming up with a legitimate in in world reason why you wouldn't do this. We run across this issue in in pen and paper RPGs all the time, where 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 act where the the players will take the simplest route to the solution. Yeah, uh, that you weren't expecting. And in pen and paper RPGs, that works. And it, you're it, the DM. It just you're, works. You just go. If you don't have a legitimate story reason as to why it wouldn't work, it worked. Yeah. Um. Whereas in 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 adventure games, that, they that's don't, a hard set rule. You don't have the option to take. The, I feel like what the problem is is that they have the solution before they create the puzzle. I feel like that's probably a big part of the issue, and you can tell in a lot of these things that they have the solution yeah. before they made the puzzle, because the things that are said don't make sense. Another another great aspect of the Wolf Among Us, which I really loved, by the way. I know I'm, I'm kind of coming down hard on some aspects of it, but I really love it. It's a really it's a really great adventure game, um, and like a really great story. But. There's a part early on where Grendel attacks you. Grendel starts the fight, and the entire fight, you are trying to not fight. You are trying to be the good guy. You are trying to not, and he's just trying to kill you. He is actively trying to kill you. And so there's a point where you have the chance to end the fight. You can either jab him in his shoulder or rip his arm off. And the question is, do you want him to ever want to try to pick a fight with you again? Well, if you leave him, he's drunk. So if you leave him with his arm, he's going to forget that he got his ass kicked and he's going to come at you again. Rip his arm off. He's still alive. And he's a magical creature. It can get a new arm or get it reattached or regrow it or something. And that's no longer an issue. So you rip his arm off and people start going ballistic at you. No one blames him. No one says he was in the wrong. And you don't have the chance to say 
he was attacking me. You might actually, I think for one person, you do have the chance to say he started it, but that doesn't buy you anything. It's well, like, he started it. That doesn't mean anything. It's like, yes, it does. And part of that may be the world that it's in. You are the big bad wolf. You are the one who all the bias is against. People are much more prone to believe you're on the wrong than the right. Now, that would be a fantastic thing if they built on it more than once. Yeah. And and, and see, and then that's where a lot of these problems are easily solved by manipulating the story to suit it. You know, if, if there was a, if, one of two, either... Hey, if you enact violence, you know, maybe you've got that shark thing where you go into blood frenzies. Yeah. And by being violent at someone, even if they're even if it's self defense, you go into a blood frenzy and you oh, accidentally murder raged a bunch of and, people. And I think or, and that's what I mean by they have the story written they have the end yeah. they have the end written out before the puzzle. Um, because the ending the the ending sentiment, that sentiment of Big B's the bad guy, yeah, is always there. Even if up to that point you've done nothing but the good options, mm-hmm. you you do one bad thing and that's what they talk about yeah because they have that set up nobody goes well yeah he ripped grendel's arm off but before that he helped three kids you know out of a burning building well and (laughs) and that reminds me there's it's not an adventure game but it reminds me of the exact same peril that happened to um metroid other m i believe it was it was like metroid or uh, not metroid prime um and what happened was they had Two developers for it. One developer made the story, and one developer made the gameplay. Probably Other M. That's probably I Other think, M. Yes, it was. It was the bad one. Yeah, because Other M, Other M was the one where where uh, she wasn't able to use any of the powers of her suit until she was given the authority to. Yeah, and if you look, which at, has never been a case before for her before. If yeah. you look at the story, you can justify it. It's like, oh, they're on a rescue mission. There might be survivors. Her weapons blow up planets on a. She blows up planets on a regular basis, and she's on a rescue mission. Maybe she doesn't want to be blowing up all the doors. But then you look at the gameplay, and the gameplay is all blow up this big monster. Yeah. And it's walk into a room made of lava. You can't use your fire-resistant suit because... Reasons. That's what we've established. Because your fire-resistant suit might burn the people you're trying to save? Um, and so what you end up with is you end up with this really disjointed game where... The gameplay elements are fine. The story is fine, but they don't mesh at all, so and it just ruins it. So we started talking about uh, point-and-click adventure games. I think we've I think we've diverged off into, into ludo narrative dissonance. Into ludo narrative dissonance, which is a fine which is a fine place to be. I know it's kind of a dirty word in, in gaming, but uh, at least in gaming journalism. But we're not journalists, so pff, who cares? Um, we're we're just three guys who have a microphone. We're just three guys and a mic. Which would have been an interesting name for the podcast. <laughs> three guys and a mic. Three guys. We might mic. not always be three guys. There might be there might be someone new on, <laughs> on the three case. guys plus one girl and three mics. What? <laughs> I don't know. I <laughs> Ludo narrative dissonance. Ah. Um. So we've got, and, and that's actually fun because there's, there's actually a lot of ludo narrative dissonance we should, in point click adventure games. We should probably define that for yeah. people who don't know. Yeah, ludo narrative dissonance is the point at which the gameplay of a game directly contrasts with the story established. <clears throat> let's 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 look up that dictionary definition, um, shall we? And uh, and a prime example of this was Space Quest Six, which um, was was a, a, a game where the the two guys from Andromeda had. The puzzles all set up, and they wanted to set up the story to go with it. And they're like, "No, you just work on the puzzles. We'll work on the story." And they didn't mesh, and it was an awful game. 
Uh, there were other problems too. Like, it, that is not the only one, but it, it, it's the point at which your story completely does not match anything. Like uh, so, lunar narrative dissonance refers to conflicts between a video game's narrative and its gameplay. The term was coined by Clint Hawking, a former creative director at LucasArts, then at Ubisoft, on his blog in October 2007. Oh, look, somebody at LucasArts coined the term because it happens in adventure games all the like, time. It does, and it's also the thing that's really that's all like superbly common in fighting games. Yeah, because fighting games. Try to make you know a, a decent story. They have a moral story. They have like the the like the rising action, et cetera, et cetera. They have all the, they have the, all the, the good the pieces of the story. With, the problem with fighting games is there's only one solution to every problem. Fight. Not fighting. Yes, I've come to rescue my girlfriend from the demon that holds her soul captive. How am I going to rescue it? Punch in the face. Um, and, and of course, the secondary problem with that is in fighting games, because of the genre, people don't want long talk scenes. I don't want long cut scenes. I, I feel like fighting I feel like fighting is might not be the best place to talk about lunar narratives because at that point it's no longer no, imperative. I'm, no, see now now lunar narrative again it's it's not a thing, but the easiest example of it I have is literally well, the the most recent Mortal Kombat game. There's a moment like, yeah. this is a training exercise. I'm going to rip your spine out, turn it into a shard of ice and ram it into your skull. And then you're going to get right back up at the end. Yeah. That um, that is the easiest that is the easiest example, but I f- again, I think it, it's not as relevant in yeah. those games. We're we're pulling out the extreme cases because they're easier to show off. But the, yeah, there there are certainly plenty of small cases where again, why, or like or you know another great example of this genre is every survival horror game. Every ever. no, specifically every zombie game, every zombie survival horror game, where people after having seen. And slogged through hundreds of encounters with zombies, refused to accept that a loved one is dead and a zombie. Or another classic example. Hmm. Or that this there's... house is making strange noises. <laughs> I'm going to. I have. I'm. I've got a shotgun. I'm going to blast this wall until I can kick through it and run. You know. Um, but no, I have to find the front door because that's the only way out. Yeah, there's, there's, there, there are a lot of small examples of that all over the place. Um, but adventure games are plagued by it because I think the, the thing is... And it, it, I think it, it goes back to that, that same anime earlier where they have the puzzle. They have the they, solution they have to the puzzle, puzzle before they have the and puzzle. And it's a big problem in very linear games because they have a storyline that you're following, <laughs> but it's very hard to make a storyline that you're following when the game is encouraging you to think about how to get out of problems. Yeah. Um... It comes up in a lot of places, like and and then their solutions for it are weird. Like, uh, like King's Quest. Actually, we had a what was it? We had a shovel. Yes. And we used it twice. Mm-hmm. And then the character in game goes, "Well, I'll never need this again. Throw it away." You mean the, Meet, the axe? The axe. That was it. Was an axe. It was a hatchet. It was a hatchet. He left it buried, buried in the log. I'll never leave this again. So I'll, I'll never need this hatchet again. So I'll leave it buried in the log. Meanwhile, he's got a cloak that has infinite pockets. Infinite pockets that are in themselves infinite. But the the way they deal with that is they they turned it into a joke because the the joke of oh you use the hatchet on everything, um and they're like you know what we're. It was true because because uh, uh, Graham his elder older self was going no I didn't use it on that no I didn't use it on that and it was sort of set in a story part and and I, th- I think they were able to use a storytelling to be like okay fine I got rid of the axe are you happy 
I never used it again. Stop asking. Yeah, they 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 did they did do a thing where yeah, and, and that was also a case of it's a story being told by Graham. So I think at that point he just got tired of people asking him if he was going to use the axe on. He's like, no. At that point, I left the axe buried in the trunk and never came back to it. Never well, came and, and, back for it again. In, in King's Quest, I think it's also very important that you never have a weapon for too long, because it's not it's not that kind of a game. Even if you choose the aggressive option. It's not a game where you hack and slash, you know, and yeah. if you have something that's obviously a weapon. It's not Hero's Quest. <laughs> it's not King's Quest Eight, which was bad. Um Which was bad. Which was bad. Which was bad. Done. And also thinking about games where they get so many games down the road. And eventually something breaks on, like, the 8th or ninth game in the series. Yeah, uh, well... I don't know, Final Fantasy 9 was sweet. Yeah, but they keep, they keep, they keep a separate story yeah, all the time. I, I, well, I'm and making, it's interesting because King's Quest was very... You know, you, you follow Graham for the first two games? Or, I can't remember... And in the, in the third, you're actually Graham's daughter. And in the fourth... Is her name Grabina? Um, in the Graham's fourth, <laughs> Her name is Graham's daughter. You're you're a slave um, of some evil uh, wizard. And in five, you're Graham again. And in six, you're the prince trying to find a bride. So it's it, it changes up the story. It even changes up the character to a degree, um, which kept it fresh. There's a, there's a running theme of like, and it's something that I'm glad to see. Modern games are kind of are kind of learning that if you make so many games in one story, you need a different story. Otherwise, doing the same rehash need, over need, and over you need again. New characters because yeah. the character has evolved. If if the game starts and ends and the character hasn't evolved, it was a bad game. But if a character can't just continuously regress, um, like he can't go back to where he was at the beginning of the, which, of the last game, which was one of the biggest problems with Space Quest Six because Space Quest Five. Roger Wilco actually developed character. Roger Wilco. Roger Wilco developed character. He he finally got recognition. It was really it was a great end for the series because you finally did something and people recognized it and you got you you were kind of the cool guy. And then the beginning of Space Quest Six is um, demoted to janitor. All character development gone. Go. That happens uh, in a lot of things. That doesn't just happen. No, it's not in games. That doesn't just happen in games. But uh, that happens in a lot of things where like, I'm really glad everything that, is reset to the status quo. And I'm, I'm really glad that newer games are kind of learning from that. Like, Mass Effect 4 is not about Commander Shepard. Commander Shepard's story is over. Yeah, Commander Shepard's story ended in Mass Effect 3. Um, like, if they, if they had made another game about Commander Shepard, it would have ruined the first three games. It would have. So it's like we wanted, we still want to do stuff in this game series. We still want to do this universe, different story, different characters. Yep. Um, cool. Where was I going with anything? I don't even remember anymore. Um, now, going off on something else, there's a new adventure game that's uh, coming out by Laurie and Corey Cole, the creators of Heroes Quest. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they, for a while, they were trying to see if they could get the rights to Heroes Quest back from Activision, and they never could. And so what they're doing is they're doing a spinoff, a, a spiritual successor called Hero U, uh, Heroes University, um, pardon, which is going to be, I believe, a four-part game following, and in each game you follow one of the four classes. Um, thief, magic user, fighter, paladin. 
um, Paladin being a fighter and magic either. No. All right. Pal- Paladins, okay. well, in, in Quest for Glory, the way that Paladins work is you have your honor stat. And basically, whenever you do honorable things, your honor increases. Whenever you do dishonorable things, it decreases. And that's, so that's your magic stat. It's hard mode? Uh, so yeah, they, they, went, they went with four stats rather than three. Rather than strength, skill, magic, it's strength, skill, magic. There's honor. a whole bunch of stats. There's strength, agility, endurance, uh, luck, magic, intelligence. Yeah, but like they're, 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 there's the ones that the four classes primarily focus with. Yeah. Which would be you know strength, skill, magic. Paladins are warriors, honor. but they also have to have honor. And instead of um, using any mana, their abilities drain from their stamina. Mm. Um, So to heal somebody else, it drains from directly from your stamina. Okay. Um, I like the I like I like the idea of a um, a point and click adventure game where the the point and click adventure is the mechanics, uh, but the world is like an RPG or something like that, where you have a lot of parser games. Each class has a special ability. Yeah. Like, that was really common with parser games. Was that parser games were were very combat focused because you could do a turn based combat system with a parser game. Yeah. Well, this didn't even do turn based. Now, some of the combat systems for some of the Quest for Glory games were not great, but the fact that there was a combat system and it, it was effective, they were they were decent combat systems. And then the the action adventure combat games, of course, always had their their you know they have this weakness, use this item on them to exploit this weakness. Yeah. Um, like Legend of Zelda is the king of that. It's you know this guy has an exposed back. You get around behind him and hit him in the back. Yes. Um, and you know that that is much, and that's one that again it's much more an, an action game than with with puzzle solving elements. But I one, would... one of the biggest things that I think puts it out is um, your you do have creative use of items. And like that's that's what that's what makes me classify Legend of Zelda specifically as an adventure game is that every fight is another puzzle to solve. It's 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 a fight, yes, but it's also you like every boss fight is you are looking for the puzzle key answer to the yeah. boss. There 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 are certainly adventure elements to Legend of Zelda, which I really like Legend of Zelda. I wonder if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> so what we're saying is we all like adventure games. Um but um, in it, it, what I'm liking about the, the new Heroes Quest is from the demos and the, and the combat trailers, they've turned to a turn-based combat system. Um, and because the first one, the first one is, is following the, the thief. And the thief in combat is not strong. And so you, you can use items in a turn-based system, like you can spend your first turn laying a trap that will hold somebody out of your range while you can throw things at them and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it's more tactical combat stylings because of the turn-based system. Um, and then the, the format they're using is uh, they're going with a sprite-based one more akin to, say, like the Infinity Engine mm-hmm. in which you, you have a screen you roll and you, you move to areas in your interact objects that way. So I'm curious, because it's, it's not developed by Activision, it's not a large-budget game. This is a small-budget game developed by Laurie and Corey Cole. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see, because they have the following of Sierra, but they're not the budget of Sierra, I'm curious to see what that will make as far as a game. Yeah, I'm sure we do. Uh, a, a lot of, there's a lot of interesting, uh, stuff coming out that I want to, that I, that I want to experience. I really want to, when, when, when it finishes, I want to try, 
I want to do. Uh, I want to play um, Tale of the Borderlands. I want to play King's Quest when it when it, when it finishes. King King's Quest is interesting. It's not what I expected. It's not because it is. It's you it had was you, so very modernized. Yeah, I mean, I, I I knew it would have to be modernized to a degree, but um, was it good or bad? Worse than you expected? Better? It was. I can't say it was good or bad. It was just different. Okay. Um, it it, it had. So little of the now the puns, the humor, the the story, the setting, the flavor of the universe. The flavor was all very King's Quest, and I, I very much appreciated that. And of course, it was modernized. Um, there was a lot more NPC interaction in the modern King's Quest than there there was in the older ones, which was more the limitations of. Of that sort of thing back then, um, you know, especially um, the later King's Quest did have more interaction, but the first King's Quest had very little, yeah. you know, NPC interaction. Just that's the times, yeah, that's what you had. But um, <coughs> yeah, the, the gameplay itself was very much you. It, it was very obvious when you were supposed to use an item. Yeah, um, it was less obtuse, and I think. It's really just nostalgia that makes me want to have ridiculous hard puzzles that yeah. take forever. So that, that, that brings the question forward of how much of our expectations are based in, like when we're looking at a new point click adventure game, when we're looking at a new uh, parser adventure game, when we're looking at a new variant or a remake of an old game. I would love to see a new parser adventure game. You know, how much of that expectation is clouded by nostalgia well the, the biggest problem that of course that varies I'm, from I'm, person to person i'm realizing is if they remade something just like one of the old adventure games we would hate it it would not sell yeah it would be obtusely hard it would be too punishing <clears throat> um you know that there, there are classics for that are that are great games if, of their time but if they were made nowadays they would be awful you know there's there it, it goes for any genre yeah you know, if, if Doom was re-released right now, it would be horrible. Uh, it would be a terrible game. Eh, I don't know. I think if Doom were re-released as Doom... Cause, and, and the reason I say that is because I just recently played uh, Serious Sam BF, BFE, mm-hmm. uh, which is Serious Sam is effectively Doom. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's Doom... I played it, a little It's, it's Doom times 100. Yes, uh, because instead of it's, instead of it's, instead of having fifteen demons in a small room, you got fifteen thousand demons in an open area, all charging uh, down a hill. It's at you. all it's charging down a hill, without the at hindrance you. of Model technology limits. preventing it from being overly satirical. Exactly, um, and I feel like that works. I feel like if you give a person a gun with a ton of ammo and and a, and a very quick reload speed. And a thousand guys charging down a hill at yeah. you, you get it, and you have fun. But the, 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 you have but fun what, with that sort of breakneck. What speed. I'm saying is, there's a lot of things that Doom that it's like, oh well, you know. Now, if you mean like Doom one to one Doom, yeah, like no no aiming, you you, you can only turn left yeah, and right. That, you can't look I'm up saying. and down. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Is the problem. You like you, like if like if they you, adding vertical aiming to Doom is a must. Like if you tried to re-release Doom with nothing but a graphical update. It would be terrible. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I still don't know. Think about it, though. Think about it. If 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 take the gameplay of Doom, okay? The exact mechanics. The exact no mechanics. No changing of anything. No strafing. The exact mechanics. No, there's strafing. Is there strafing? There's okay, strafing. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. There's Wolfenstein. no strafing. Take the exact mechanics of Doom. 
the first Doom, or Doom 2, whichever. The exact layouts, the exact bosses, the exact areas, the exact layouts, everything. Give it a high-definition 3D coat of paint. Yes. It would be terrible. It would be. play it. It would be terrible. Because the thing about old games <clears throat> that are still good, that are even today still fun to play and still good, is because they're old. Like, you, they are something that you have not played in a while. They are something that you have yep. not experienced in a long time. They are something that you expect to be with old technology. When I play Space Quest, I expect the puzzles to be obtuse. I expect to have to restart the game 15 times to bypass certain puzzles. You know, that's something I expect. But if I, if I played a Doom that was just Doom with a new graphics update, I would be looking at it and saying... We have the technology to add vertical aiming now. Why can I not aim vertically? Yeah, but when in, in Doom, vertical aiming didn't matter because nothing came at you vertically. Yes, but it's like everything was online. But there was a, there were but lots. It's, of, it's, there it's, were... Why why am I arbitrarily limiting myself? Why am I making this game less than I could? It's true. The and question. It's also the, a case the, of like one the, of the one of the major issues with Doom was they hid so many things vertically because you couldn't look up. Yeah. So it's like, why can't I just look up and see that? Fair, and uh, that's a fair point. Uh, the, the fact that it would bring forth these questions is enough of a point to say whether or not it would be good. I'm, I'm, I'm still intrigued. I'm still intrigued by the idea, though, of, of maybe, maybe like as a free mod or something, like just taking classic Doom, slapping with it, like slapping the textures from Doom Three onto classic. Now Doom. they've done it where they, they've, they've used the, they've remade it in the engine of Doom Three, but that includes vertical looking and stuff. Yeah. And, uh. We, we really got off topic there, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, but I mean, it's all about the... This is all about gaming and the talking, evolution of gaming. We're talking about the yeah. evolution of adventure gaming, and part of the, part of the evolution of gaming is how faithfully <coughs> can you remake a game, and adventure gaming is seeing a bunch of potential remakes, and the question is how faithfully could they have created yeah, that's, recreated that's King's Quest, and it's we use Doom because that's a much easier to see example it is it's um, like very easy to see it, if you if you there there is a line of faith it's if you make something too faithfully you are releasing it with a new skin and if you release it with a new skin it includes all of the errors that come with its technology yeah. with its technological limitations so taking that and going to final fantasy because final fantasy 7 is getting an HD remake sometime in the next couple of years hopefully supposedly maybe we we we've been told. Um, I'm hopeful that it's it'll been vaguely be, hinted at. I'm hopeful that it'll only be a year, but I can tell. I can I can understand if it was like twenty uh, 20, uh, 2017. Mm-hmm. because then it would be exactly uh, exactly twenty years since since Final Fantasy VII. And there's been a lot of speculation as to what's going to change because they're they're, they're actually bringing in a director that's not a, a, the director of Advent Children uh, to to uh, sort of oversee Advent the Children and the Kingdom Hearts games. Yes, and the Kingdom Hearts games. Um, there are there are two camps about this. There are people that say it should not be changed any way except for the graphical rehaul because that's what we quote unquote want. Um, and that's sort of like all the bugs, all the bad story, all the bad translation remains the same the only thing that's different is hd code of paint and voice acting the other school of thought is make it better and i don't mean 
and I don't and I don't mean just like again improve everything to be like Final Fantasy 13. I mean fix what was broken. Keep what was good. Yes. Now, what you run into here is the sort of the remake problem they've had in Hollywood where by making something better, what was wrong is subjective and how much stuff was wrong is subjective. And no matter how no matter how faithfully you try to be, there are going to be people who don't like it. And so the catch is finding that magical barrier of, okay, so a few people won't like it, but the majority will think it's a lot better. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking things like broken mechanics. I mean, broken mechanics. Broken translations. Aspects of ludonarrative dissonance. Things like Tifa getting into a slap fight when she's a martial, world-class martial artist and could break Scarlet over her knee. Um, and could literally just, over her knee, just arm, just, arm around the neck, snap slap, back over exactly. the knee. Could just, could break her with her pinky, really. And, um, and, and, but the, the question here comes, so where does it become, well, this, this you know, doesn't make sense to... Oh well, this character wasn't evolved properly, and, we, and then you end up with a completely rewritten character, and then you rewrite all their interactions with everybody, and then the story de- evolves as that character gets developed. You know how much? Yeah, how much of it? How much changes from that action? Um, or do you do it? Because a lot of games have done this, where um, the game is re-released almost flat, and then you add to it. Uh, for example, Boulder's Gate had an enhanced edition made. Yeah, where they didn't touch anything that was already there, but they added things. They're like, well, we want to give this NPC a chance to further their character, so rather than changing their dialogue, we're going to add quests well, for them that let you interact a, with them there's more. A, there's a short list of things that we know that they're changing. They're overhauling the combat system. Um, we know they're overhauling the combat system. They're adding the active combat system from 13. Which I, 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 I don't know if they've confirmed that, but I know that they're changing it. Which is actually fine because uh, Final Fantasy VII already had active time battles. Yeah, that's what that like Final Fantasy VII was ATB. That's what it was. Uh, changing it so that you can move around the field, I don't think, is an issue. No. Um, they're adding that. They're adding voice actors. They're adding uh, and they're up. They're updating. They're giving a new coat of paint. Those are the things that we know they're doing right now. So, whether or not they touch the story at all, I don't know. Now, if they're doing that much, it seems silly to leave the script. To leave the in script. In 97. Because, regardless of other things, the world has changed. Storytelling has changed. It's not just graphics that have changed. With The way we tell stories now versus video games in the like, mid-90s is very different. If Final to- Fantasy VII was released today... I would be incredibly disappointed, as I was during the stream, in how weak of a character Tifa is. Yeah. So, how much... So, when, when talking... So, let's, let's continue on this train. When talking about remakes, how much change... Is acceptable. Is acceptable, yeah. How much... And, how much like, And that's going to vary based on the game. And based on the and person, based on the person talking. And there's also remakes and continuations. King's Quest isn't a remake, it's a continuation of an old series. Yeah. Um. But say in in King's Quest 
if they had completely changed an aspect. Now, not the entirety, but an, an aspect of Grant's personality. One thing about him. Like, they, they removed his puns. Yeah. If he didn't make a single pun. As much as I hate puns, I would have been disappointed. Would you have, would that have, would that have affected your, your reaction to the game? Mm-hmm. So... I mean, the, the, the style and the humor and everything is, is the same. Like we said, the universe that they created is very consistent with Old King's Quest. The gameplay, the gameplay mechanics were basically redone from the ground up. Okay. So, with the, with so the, we're okay with mechanical changes less or more than story changes? Um, well, that's kind of the question, is are we? That, that's, yeah, are like, we? For me, it's a question of what is wrong. And to me, it's like the mini games. I'm okay with the mini games. You know, the 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 tower the, defense in the, go- in, the goofy in the, in the condor. The, yeah. they, they they add they add an element of goofiness the, of not seriousness. The, the the riding riding bike down the road with swinging at things that are on your sides, etc. Like the the bike mini game. Well, um, you look at some of the old Sierra mini games, and they were. But that also awful. brings into question how much of that will survive the HD remake. Much graphical and all, because a lot of that was dependent on the 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 things that they took, uh, the 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 tricks that they took. A lot of the jokes and a lot of the mini games and a lot of the comedy in Final Fantasy VII is based on the fact that you have this chibified version of the character. Again, words that Matt people might not know, chibi. Is Jap- is, a, is a Japanese term that means anything that's been reduced from a from a from a normal sized human to a cute, cuddly, puffy version. And Final Fantasy VII, you know, they had their higher res models and the lower res models, and out, out of out of battle, there were these sort of blocky, made of polygons characters, and that was the source of a lot of humor in the way that those characters could in the way that those characters moved versus the way that a normal person moves. And and there, and there are some games that didn't survive graphical updates. Um, there was a game my friend played a lot. It was it was a, a snowboard kids. It was just it was a random yeah. snowboarding game. Well, a, lo- a lot of what made it popular was the graphics were terrible. You know, one of the characters had a polygon nose that could impale a seal. Yeah, and there were jokes made about it. And when they got a graphical update and a really release was made for the DS, it just it lost. Everything it lost that be- charm. It lost that charm because it didn't work. And it I was can, just another snowboard I can game. name two instances that come off the top of my head that will and will not survive a graphical update. <laughs> One that will. The the squatting competition in 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 the early game when you're when you're trying to, when you're competing with the men who are working out that will survive because that, that's gonna be funny no that's matter what hilarious that's gonna be funny no matter what and the whole dress up bit's gonna be funny no matter what. One that will not. The Young Bobby's Club. <laughs> Shit. Oh God! What is the Young Bubbies Club? Okay. We're gonna take a so there's a this. there's uh, a scene in Final no, Fantasy VII. Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. There's a scene in Final Fantasy VII uh, where there's a, there's a series early in the game where you're trying to sneak into Don Corneo's mansion. Don Corneo's one that will work. That might not work. Yeah. Um. And to do so, Cloud has to. Don Corneo only allows women into his mansion. They're going in to rescue Tifa. It's Cloud and Aerith. So Cloud has to dress up as, as a, a woman. woman. Um, you can't just go to the store and buy a dress. You can't just... Well, you, you, you do. But if you want the best chance, there are optional things that you can do okay. to make Cloud even prettier. Okay. Okay? There are... I think there's 
seven or eight items that you can get. There's a there's a dress and you can get there's a, there's, the there's, dress and wig are mandatory. There's dress and wig dress and wig are the only two that you have to get, uh, and there are varying levels of dress and wig that you can get. You can get a cotton dress, a satin dress, and a silk dress. You can get and then there's a wig. You can get a, a ratty. A, a, you can get a blonde wig, a red wig, and a black and a brunette wig. Um, and then there's a, a host of other things that you can get that enhance your chances. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the best dress is the silk dress. The best wig is the blonde wig, because Cloud's blonde. Therefore, you know it would be weird for him to have a redheaded wig. Um, He's got enough hair; he can just comb it back. And then there is, well, I mean, the wig just ends up being pigtails attached. That's it. So it's, it's kind of it's kind of funny. Then there's a couple of other optional items you can get by going to various places. You can go and get your face. You can get makeup put on your face. You can go get perfume. You can go get... and you, There's one thing that you can get, which is uh, briefs, underwear. You can get, like, Speedos or, or whatever. It's a pair of panties, I think. It's a pair of underwear. A pair of underwear. A pair of underwear. And in order to get the pair of underwear, you have to go... You have to pick a room. There's a solo room or a group room in this in this hostess... Basically, it's a hostess club. It's called the Honey Bee Inn. Um... Which is exactly what you think it might be. If you pick the group room, you go in, and it's this very fancy, it's like sort of goofy-looking uh, uh, room, and there's a hot tub in it. And you ask, and you're asked, "Do you want it solo or with a group?" That's the question that you're asked. And you, uh, I, I, I'm always alone. You know, is like one of the answers that you can give. And the girl goes away. She makes a remark about you creeping her out. She goes away, and then in comes about, I want to say, ten burly, muscle beach dudes. All in Speedos. Huh. With giant walrus mustaches and shaved heads. Which, in Japan, is a stereotype for gay men, because in Japan... um over-muscular bodybuilder men are, are stereotyped to be gay, as yes. opposed to overly effeminate men. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a stereotype. That's almost a universal stereotype. The Hans and Franz. They're, they're, yeah. they're the Hans and Franz style, you know, joke. But it, it, um, it, it's a much larger stereotype in Japan than yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, because because Jap- Japanese people are typically more feminine, so. Yeah. Um, so they come in, and then they shove you into a hot tub with them. And you are packed, and all you can see is the top of their heads at this point. You can't actually see. The camera's positioned in such a way that all you see is their hair and the top of their heads. And they have a conversation with you. And there's a lot of panting and a lot of awkward conversation. And it's you hilarious. You want to join my young bubbies yeah, club? Yeah, you want to join my young bubbies club? And it's like, how old are you? I'm 21. Oh, you make oh you're like half my age. Like, oh, this is getting creepier and creepier and creepier. And it's super uncomfortable. And it's, it's and super hilarious. They take advantage of the low graphics because they cram so many models together that like they are uh, they are obviously they're, clipping yeah, they're together. Clipping through each other. That will not work in an HD update. The Young Bubby's Club scene will scene not doesn't work. sound like it worked. It would not be comedic. It would be it disturbing. Would be, it, would be it would be creepy. I mean it's creepy already. But it would lose all sense of being hilarious. 
I don't know. I think there might. There, there, I think there's a way they could do it. They could do something similar, but they'd have. They to, could not do that scene. <laughs> they'd have to like have it from the outside. Yeah, they'd like, have, to, like, have to have move the camera all move, the way out to where you can't the see anything. Outside where you can't see anything. And all you can do is hear. And like you're watching one of the honeybee hostesses listening at the door. You know, it, it would have to be like um, like the the dungeon from Persona Four. With um, yeah, Kanji. yeah, Kanji's dungeon, Kanji's dungeon from Persona Four, and I do something like that where they they like all the the joke is heard not seen. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I was like, I think they could still do it, but yeah, you're right. It would that that scene wouldn't survive a graphical update because part of the hilarity is is the 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 things you can do with the models. Um, it was uh, if you haven't seen it, I have a highlight of it on my channel, Twitch.tv slash Sensaku. It's hilarious. The Young Bobby's Club. We it's all called Young die. Bobby's Club. Oh, well, you guys die. I'm like, yeah, I knew this was coming. Because I was prepared for it. Nobody else was. Um, advantages of having played it innumerable times. Yeah, that, that's, so that's something that wouldn't survive an HD update, although I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to seeing if it does. Um, another thing that might not survive the HD update is a lot of the, uh, sort of like the ragdollization that happens, like the dolphin jumping. Mm-hmm. The dolphin jumping in Junon, where there's a, there's a, there's a there's a part in in the story where you have to you have to use a dolphin to jump up onto a uh, onto a piece of scaffolding basically uh, to scale the outside of this city mm-hmm. of the city like military and it base. only works because the dolphin model is so rigid you just flip you shoot yeah the, the dolphin the dolphin jumps you up onto it. Um, it would look very weird it, to see know, an actual yeah. dolphin like slapping against well, scaffolding and then trying and, to leap its way up looking, again. Looking at King's Quest, they did not use elaborate graphics. They used very cartoony graphics because the nature of King's Quest was so comedic. A lot of the jokes would not have worked if they, the graphics had been at all realistic. But that's not what Square Enix does. Well, no, we, we've we've does. also we've seen a little bit of the graphics that they're using. They're using Advent Children graphics. Yeah, like Advent Children had great graphics. Well, they're using Advent Children modern graphics. Yes, yeah. Because yeah. Advent Children was modern for the year. But what, yeah. what, basically, Advanced, what we're saying is a lot of the humor of games is tied to the the limit. The hard a good game use the graphical limitations to its advantage for comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the Quest games did it. Um, the, 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 even the new King's Quest game was like, well, we've got cartoony graphics, self-shaded-esque to, 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 to try, to try graphics. and, to try and keep that alive. Yeah. To try, you know, to try to continue that. And that's, and that's the advantage that I've always said. That's the advantage of stylized graphics is they never get old. Like Wind Waker still looks good today. Yeah. Because it was stylized. That was the way they wanted it to yeah. look. Okay. So let's uh, let's let's sort of reel it back in here. We're, what are we looking forward to going going forward? I'm definitely looking forward to the Final Fantasy VII HD remake. Um, uh, I'm now I'm looking forward to the spiritual sequel to Heroes Quest. I need to look yeah. into that. Um, I'm I'm very curious. They're they're still in the uh, the the pre-release offers right now. You can buy for twenty five dollars. You can pre-order it. Yeah, because I'm I does have a release date. Because I remember the I remember the Heroes Quest playing it, and I I remember really enjoying it. It was it was the best one because it had the multiple solutions. Yeah. Because it had the and it was literally the the easy solution was the fighter solution. Can you find a copy of, or do you have a copy of that Heroes Quest? Yeah, absolutely. Because I would like to play it on my stream. Absolutely. I would like to play it. Boy, let me tell you something. We we will probably be playing some Heroes Quest soon. Uh, that might be what we play Friday. I <laughs> know uh, we had to wait for you to get back. 
Um, but yeah, so definitely looking forward to, to hear yes. hear you. Um, hear you. There, there's a couple other games actually that have started incorporating point and click elements, um, which th- that aren't adventure games, and I and I like that you know you can have a game that is, there's one it's it's a platformer. And you play a little little purple witch, and you run around. And you you know you, it's mostly shooting and platforming puzzles, but you have an inventory system, and you utilize inventory items to solve other puzzles. And you can click on the screen to interact with items on the screen and gather things that you might not expect. Now, actually, there is a point and click adventure game that I didn't think about until just now that we need to talk about. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but it came out for the Wii. And it was a pirate-themed... Zack and Wiki. Zack and Wiki. Zack and Wiki, yes. Zack and Wiki. I think there was there was one or two. Was there only one of them? I only um, remember one. I only, I only remember one. And, and it was it was like sort of an attempt to recreate that sort of mascot uh, point-and-click adventure game using the Wiimote. The Wiimote, I think, gave it such a good opportunity because you could do a much more traditional point-and-click while still being in a three-dimensional world. And it, and, and it sort of incorporated that sort of inventory aspect, yeah. where now the inventory was the Wiimote. Yes. You still needed to collect things, but when you collect them, when you were using them, you used them with the Wiimote, which I thought was a fantastic idea, sort of a fantastic mm-hmm. premise, and I don't know if they'll ever be able to make something else like that now with the Wii U because the gamepad. I mean, they might be able to because the gamepad could be your inventory screen. Yeah, the, the, and, the, and they certainly use <laughs> use the motion control remote. The biggest failing I think of Zack and Wiki was it was very clearly designed for young children. Yeah. Um. And and I feel like a lot of it, adventure games have always been a family genre. Yeah. Um. You know, you don't get tough, gritty adventure games. Well, Tex Murphy. You you can. I mean, <laughs> Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry, which they, they did make a remake of. But the, the majority of them are for, you know, anyone to play. Adults, yeah, the, children. And and they tend to be on the, you know, a, a lot They're, of them end up being on the childish side. They, they, te- they, they tend to be the Shrek of video games, where they are childish <laughs> at, 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 on the surface, but there are some jokes yeah. in there for the older people to get. So yeah. I, I I'd be curious to see um, a bigger diversification because because even some of the other even some of the smaller ones like um, Mechanarium, yeah, is very much designed as a family game. I'm I'm curious to see, and and, and they're all comedic. You know they they all have a lot of comedic elements. I'd be curious to see a truly Oddworld. Hmm. Oddworld. Never heard of it. Oddworld is a series of adventure games. Uh, I think they're they're more like they're kind of like platform adventure games, um, uh, that revolve around this strange, odd world, um, and these odd creatures that exist within it. Uh, it's it's had a couple of spinoffs, and I think they've just re-released the original Oddworld and Abe's Odyssey, which was a second one uh, on in HD on Steam. Uh, but they're kind of a they're not meant for children. Yeah. They're they're definitely a more gritty uh, take on it. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not saying not meant for children. I'm just I'm just saying something that's a bit more. I'm curious to see how a more serious like adventure epic. Yeah. Would do. Like The Walking Dead. Yeah. It's done pretty well. 
<laughs> yeah. Considering that they've got two seasons. Dolph Among Us. Dolph Among Us also did pretty good. Yeah. yeah. We need to introduce you to some more modern games. We do. I haven't done a lot of gaming in the last couple of years. Yeah, the the more modern Telltale games are definitely aimed more at an adult audience than children. Uh, Tales from the Borderlands. Tales from the Still Borderlands. Still funny, but... Tales from the Borderlands, Wolf Among Us. Uh, uh, yeah. And I, I'm just curious to see death. where that will go. Yeah. No, um, I think it's a really good idea. We will, we will see, and we will, we will talk about it more. Uh, in the meantime, I think that's enough for for today. Uh, we kind yes. of, today was kind today was kind of rambly, even more rambly than than, than last one than last yeah, week. Very no, the last one wasn't last one wasn't as tangential as you thought it was. No, it wasn't. But we'll see. We'll see when I when I get editing. There will be lots of editing. Lots of editing. But in the meantime, if you guys enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to follow us here. Uh, this is uh, this uh, is currently being hosted on Podbean.com. That's sinstaku.podbean.com. Uh, if you you can find it and uh, follow us there, you can subscribe using your RSS feed, whatever whatever RSS feed form that you choose to use, uh, you can use to to find this podcast. Uh, please feel free to, to leave a comment, to send us an email, let us know what you think. Uh, you can find me at on Twitter at John A Bates on Twitter. You can find uh, units at units on Twitter, and you can find Shadow Chorus at Shadow Chorus at Shadow underscore Chorus. Because there is there is on Twitter. The reason I'm not just Shadow Chorus is there is actually a Shadow Chorus on Twitter. He's some kind of musician, I guess. I don't know. He has a chorus of shadows. Um. And you can also find all of us on Twitch, on twitch.tv slash Sinstaku, and on twitch.tv slash ShadowCourse. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think. And we'll be back next week with more conversation about something or another. Um, some kind of gaming. Some kind of gaming. We don't know yet. We'll figure it out, though. Uh, so yeah, uh, this has been Sinstaku. This has been ShadowCourse. And that was Units. Thank you for joining us uh, for more The Shenanicast, and we'll see you later. Bye! This shindig is the bomb diggity. Who says the shindig is the bomb diggity? <laughs>